One of the joys that we have in having our summer series is having some speakers back that we've had down through the years, and it's always a delight to have them, and on occasions we get to add one or two new ones as well. But it's always a pleasure to have Bruce with us from the Belleville Congregation. He's been here before, and uh, he has a unique hobby, I believe it is, and he's talking about that afterwards. I guess he has a little more time than he's had before, is that he likes to go around and take pictures of uh, county courthouses, I think it is. And uh, he's going to spend some time doing a few more after he leaves here than he's been able to do before. He gave me some of those names. The only one I could tell you offhand that I remember is Abilene. <laughs> but down in that area, he's going to go around and just take some pictures of courthouses and uh, as part of what he likes to do. But we're grateful for his love for the Lord, his desire to be found pleasing in this sight, and his desire to share the gospel while there's yet time. He'd be talking about uh, on Christian families, about the role for mom and dads in raising Christian families for the future. I invite you to give your attention to Bruce as he brings the lesson to us this evening. very pleasant good evening to everyone. Thank you, David, for those kind words. It's good to be with all of you. I'm glad that you're meeting tonight. Many of the summer series that I've been a part of across the years, those congregations are not meeting yet on Wednesday night. And also where I preach in Belleville, we're not yet meeting on Wednesday night. But we are still having Bible class because we are utilizing Facebook Live. I was telling a couple of the elders and David that I'm probably, well, it's not probably, I am doing more preaching now than I have ever done. I, uh, at some point in six days a week, I am preaching Bible class on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, sermon on Sunday And then every day, a dose of encouragement at 5 o'clock, and that lasts about 15 minutes. And so, I believe one of the greatest needs in the church today is an emphasis on families. We need to be doing all that we can to build up to encourage parents today as they are involved in raising their children. And that's a challenge, especially in our world today. I had an experience as I drove from my hotel room in Alvarado. I've been here a few times before, but I like to use the GPS feature on my phone. So I put in the correct location, and here I came. And as I ventured down the road coming over this way, it wasn't very long until I was hearing two different messages. One was directing me back to the hotel. The other one was bringing me here. 
Fortunately, the two voices had different accents. The one that I was to follow was a woman's voice, and she has a British accent. Two voices, two competing voices. And I had a choice to make. Which voice would I follow? When we think about raising children today, when we think about the home today, there are competing voices. And it's easy for families to be distracted. It's easy to have the wrong priorities. And so in the face of competing voices, it's so urgent that parents keep their eye focused on God's will. What would the Lord have me to do as I raise my children? In Psalm chapter 127, the chapter begins with these words, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, those who build it labor in vain, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The home is a divine institution. And in molding the home, in leading the home, in being the proper examples that mom and dad should be, again, they must always look to the Lord. And then go with me now to verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Now here we are reminded that children are gifts of grace. Children come directly from the hand of God. But one more verse in this chapter it's an intriguing picture. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Now let's think about the picture that is painted here by these words. We understand what an era is. I have never been one who has shot a bow and arrow, but I know what it's all about. And I know that there is a target. Someone has their bow and arrow out and they're aiming for a target. They don't want to get close to the target. They want to hit the bullseye. That's their aim. And they try as hard as they can. They practice and they practice and it demands Focusing. It demands not allowing distractions to keep them from doing their best. And so think about this illustration here and the point that the psalmist is making. We need to be aiming our children in the proper direction. 
We can do many things well. We can provide our children with opportunities in music and in the arts and athletics. We can make sure that they have the finest of education. Those things are important. But what's our target? What is our bullseye, if you please, as we are endeavoring to raise our children in a good and godly fashion? We want to point them in the direction of God's Word. The number one goal, the number one aspiration of parents should be to raise their children, to concentrate what would the Lord have me to do in raising my children. How must I go about in making sure that I'm pointing them in the direction of heaven? I see this, sadly, too often. And I know you see it also. There's nothing wrong with athletics, not at all. There's nothing wrong with Children, students doing homework. But when those kinds of things are allowed to interfere with the Lord's work, with the assemblies of the church, can it be said, can it accurately be said that those parents, by doing that, are aiming their children in the direction of heaven, the home. The home is uniquely poised to bless society. Also, in building a congregation, it's so important that the homes are strong. One writer has accurately said, whatever else may be said about the home, it is the bottom line of life the anvil upon which attitudes and convictions are hammered out. He lived in this general area back several years ago. He preached for the Brown Trail congregation. He was, I believe, the director of the School of Preaching, Brother Wendell Winkler. If you had the opportunity to hear Brother Winkler, you have you will remember it. It will never leave your memories. And one of his strengths as a preacher was to illustrate what the Bible teaches with wonderful illustrations. Here's one of Brother Winkler's illustrations that relates to our subject this evening. I read it about 10 years ago. A farmer once was walking over his farm with a friend, looking at the crops, the herds, and the flocks of sheep. And his friend was greatly impressed. 
He kept saying again and again, wow, you are really doing a wonderful job. I've never seen anything like this. It's absolutely wonderful. And what the friend was especially impressed with was his splendid sheep. Now, he had seen this particular breed before. Oh, but he had never seen specimens like these sheep. And so with great earnestness, the friend asked the farmer, how do you manage to have sheep like this? How do you manage for them to be such as they are? I don't know what the man was expecting in terms of a response, but his response was profound. I take care of my lambs. Nothing complicated. I take care of my lambs. Isn't that profound? And then Brother Winkler added these words of application. The lambs in our homes now will be sheep in the church of the future. As I think about that, that is a sobering realization. You take a 12-year-old young man today. In 10 years, he's going to be 22. In 20 years, he'll be 32. And you can go on and continue the math. What is taking place? What is being done to plant seeds in the mind of that 12-year-old boy? concerning how he is going to serve the Lord. Maybe he will preach. And we need gospel preachers desperately. Or maybe he will be a teacher of Bible classes. I've never known a congregation that had too many Bible classes. You've got to wait your turn. I know you want to teach, but you're going to have to wait your turn. That's on that list of things you never hear about in a congregation. That young man of 12 years of age, in 20, 25 years, may be serving as a deacon. And those seeds need to be planted even at the young age of 12. Or an elder. Oh, how we need elders in congregations. We're not going to leave out our young ladies. You take a young girl at the age of 12. It needs to be emphasized to her. What are you going to be doing in the Lord's service? 
providing her with opportunities like we provide the 12-year-old boy with opportunities. She can start assisting a teacher. She can start helping putting together Bible class literature. In the remainder of our time this evening, I want us to look specifically at both the power and example of the mother as well as the father. As I've been putting this material together, my aim is has been to be as practical as possible. Bring it down to where you and I are living today. And of course, always to be scriptural. And so we think about the proper kind of an example that mothers need to set in the home. It has been written that although the highest of the highest in the sky above us and the higher and higher than the blue skies is the gracious love of a mother. And as we read the scriptures, we find recorded the accounts of mothers who were good and godly. Mothers who made it a priority to fulfill their role. The example that we're going to talk about this evening, it's two women. We read of them in Second Timothy. These two women, Eunice and her mother, Lois. These two women did a great work. They were superb examples. And there was one boy with whom they made a difference. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. I'm so glad that these two women made it a priority to, to do all that they could to be a positive influence on Timothy. I'm sure that these two women had great responsibilities, but they made it a priority to raise Timothy in the proper way, in a godly way. In breaking this down a bit more, whenever I think about what is stated in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, I think about... First of all, Eunice. Eunice was the mother of Timothy. She had followed in the steps of her mother. And her mother was a good and godly woman. 
her mother made a positive difference on her. And you see how that this was a chain reaction, if you please. And so following the example of her mother, the lessons that she remembered from her mother, Eunice took the time to raise her children, her child, to train him in the scriptures. She didn't wait until he was 16 or 18 years old, apparently, because the text says, even as a child, the question might be asked by a new parent, when should I begin teaching my child the Bible? Well, that child at two weeks old will not understand any any words that you say. What about as that newborn baby is being rocked, the mother and the father singing, Jesus loves me. And that continues. And as the child gets older, month by month, and year by year. Here's a beautiful picture. The child, when when the child is 12, 14, and 16, that child can think about their life, and they will realize there has all my memories... I remember being instructed, whether it was by song or by the scriptures themselves. Wouldn't that be a great, great heritage? And so there's a great deal that mothers can do. We know that The roles of women are different from men. And that's also true in the home. It's been said that the first five years of a child's life are the most important. I've been told that I have a good memory. I can remember back before my sister was born, the sister, I have had four sisters, but I can remember back to the, before she was born. And she was born when I was two years and 11 months. I remember when it was just mama and daddy and me. That may be the makings of a good country song. It was all about mama and daddy and me. And I remember even back when I was three years old, there's a memory. And I remember going to vacation Bible school. Probably, well, it was when I was three years old. Because when I was four years old, we had already moved to another town. 
And I remember sitting there in the auditorium, sitting beside my father. And, and, and I didn't quite understand this. They were singing a song about a rooster. I didn't know what a rooster was. We lived in the city. But I knew that it had to be about something. Just so you won't be on edge, I know what a rooster is now. And uh, I have probably, undoubtedly, I've led that song. But that memory. When I was three years old, I was taken to vacation Bible school. I remember when I was about five years old, my grandfather went to the Gospel Advocate in Nashville, and when he came back, there was that green songbook of children's songs. Before we would go to bed at night, if, our fa if my father was putting us to bed, we would sing. If Mama was putting us to bed, if we were good, we would, we would sing a bit. A mother who sets the proper example in the home on a daily basis has the greatest advantage. She knows that her time with her children to influence them on a daily basis is limited. And therefore, in applying the emphasis of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, she redeems the time. She buys back every moment because the days are evil. The example of the mother. It's important that her sons see the proper kind of example from their mother. For you see, the boy will, will receive his first impressions of a woman from observing his mother. And likewise, girls will form their first impressions about what it means to be a mother from observing their mother. But what about those homes where the mother is not the kind of woman she should be? Those children are being deprived. And it's sad. A few, moment, few months ago, I read a statement about mothers that summarized their place in the home. The kind of woman who is godly, and thus sets a good example is the heart of the home. We think about our physical bodies and how that blood is pumped and blood goes throughout our bodies. But in a greater way, our mothers give us spiritual life. And it's from the hearts of godly mothers, the influence of their life stays with their children. And as was the case with Timothy, that influence continues 
It continues. There's great potential from those seeds that we plant today to be making a harvest in the next 50 years, in the next 100 years, and on and on. There's that wonderful potential. A mother who loves and serves and the man and as she blesses her children again emphasizing giving them the proper priority in the home her value is priceless you simply cannot measure it and to be a mother is truly the highest and holiest of callings Here's another statement I came across here a while back. It's by a woman named Kate Douglas. She said, Most of all the other beautiful things in life come by twos and dozens and hundreds. Think about how that there are plenty of roses. You look up in the sky at night and there's stars galore. We see beautiful sunsets. We see rainbows. There are oftentimes in a family a number of children, five children in my family. And then you have your extended families. The aunts and uncles, grandparents and cousins. Before each child, there is just one mother. And this goes back to something I said in the beginning of our study. One of the most important things that you and I need to be doing as the body of Christ is encouraging parents. What if every week in the worship assembly a prayer was prayed by an elder, for example, for the parents in the congregation as they are raising their children. I believe that would be something worthy to consider. And so we want to make sure that our homes have mothers who are worthy examples. Now, Let's think about dads. Children in the ideal home have a mother and a dad. I work part-time in the local school system, working with children from pre-K to third grade. And you you learn a lot from those children. And they tell you things that they probably shouldn't tell you. A little girl told me one day that 
she rarely gets to see her father. How do I respond to that as a teacher? All I could say was, and I called her name, he has a wonderful daughter. And the little girl smiled. She wanted to see her father more. The parents were divorced, and she was missing her father tremendously. I've seen it also in little boys. They'll follow me on the playground as I'm walking around. They're looking for a father figure because at home there is no father figure. I was thinking about this this morning. I don't watch much television. My television that I have at my house is in a closet. There's nothing wrong with watching television. But I just made a choice because my time is filled with doing many other things. But I got to thinking of how it has been over the past 25 years on television, fathers are often presented as being nothing more than a doormat. A father is often that which is one who is ridiculed. He's not very smart. And no wonder we're having problems in our home. That's what children see on television. That's what they see about fathers. And again, you think about those homes where there is no father. And the only father they see is that which is on television. And even at six, seven, and eight years old, they can understand what they're seeing. But then I thought back to my youth, Thursday night, seven o'clock, Channel 5, the CBS affiliate in Nashville, Tennessee, the Waltons. Now, that was a good television program. Think about the dad in the program, John Walton. Now, his wife, Olivia, was forever after him to attend church services. But you think about how he was presented, the character, how he was presented as a strong man, one who cared about his children, a man who understood the value of hard work. He taught the children could learn from his example about the importance of hard work both the sons as well as the daughters. In the scriptures, and of course that's where our emphasis is this evening, it's important that we notice the instructions that are given to fathers regarding their role in the home. The mother and father are a team. They have different responsibilities. 
But now we're thinking about the role of the father. What kind of an example is the father to show? One statement I think about is found in Psalm 103, verse 12. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And then another familiar statement, Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, fathers, Don't provoke your children to wrath, lest they become discouraged. When a child can know that their father is rooting for them, when a child knows that their father loves them, that child is blessed. And those are memories that will stay with that child. I still remember it. We had routines in my family. We would be up eating breakfast. Our bus came in the mornings at 10 minutes until 7. My father left for work at 6.30. And before he walked out the door... There was never an exception as he was on the way into the kitchen to get the lunch that my mother had prepared for him. He would kiss every one of his children and we would kiss him back. That's been several years ago, but it is still that which I remember. It is still that which I treasure. It made a difference in my life. And I have many memories of my father and all that he did for his children. We were so, so blessed by his example. The example of the father... It takes place in the ordinary affairs of life. It takes place as the Father shows that spiritual priorities in the home are important. It's Sunday morning. Sadly, in some households, the mother is getting ready to attend Bible class. She's encouraging the children, come on, let's get ready. Bible class, it won't be long until we'll be leaving. Dad is either still asleep. He is out already playing golf. Maybe he's hunting or maybe he's gone fishing. And those children, again, they are being deprived. But think about that from the other perspective, from the other vantage point. Those children grow up in a family. The mom is getting ready to attend the services, and the dad is also. Studies have been taken 
again and again, and the result is always the same. In a home where both the mother and the father are faithful, it is much more likely that those children are going to be faithful. But when one parent is faithful and the other parent is not, it's much more likely when that child reaches adulthood, the child will not have the proper spiritual priorities. The example of a dad, he needs to be spending time with his children. I've observed that often it is not that dads are involved in immoral things, though some are involved in immoral things. But it's an unfortunate thing also when a father gets so busy, again, so busy in things that are good in and of themselves. But they are not good because they take time away from his children. I'm going to use that word again. They, the children, are deprived. James Dobson made this statement. Good fathers are made, not born. Being a good father doesn't just accidentally happen. That's what, that's the meaning of what Dobson said. But a good father and there are no exceptions to this. A good father will be intentional in fulfilling his role in the home. The father shows his children what a real man is. We talked about the influence of the mother on the son. And the impact, the difference the mother makes in regards to the daughters. As that mother shows the daughter what it means to be a woman. But think about how it is also that the father has unique opportunities. And what the father does is so important for those impressions that are formed throughout the time the child is at home. The mom shows the son how to treat a woman by the way that he sees how the father treats his wife, their mother. And the opposite, looking at it from the vantage point of the father, that is also true. This is how a father or a husband is to treat his wife. Why do we have problems in the home today? One reason is today's children are not seeing the proper kinds of examples. 
I've talked to several first-year teachers, second-year teachers. And one lesson that, that we need to be reminded of as teachers, I told a first-year teacher this past school year, I was helping her as she navigated through that first year that can seem perilous at times. I said, Shelby, one of the most important lessons that you will teach this year is when your students see you interacting with the teachers who are men. Because they will see a woman who has respect for a man and a man who has respect for a woman. They won't be hollering at each other. They won't be sabotaging each other. And that is something new. I said, Shelby, that's something we can do. That is a very important lesson for these children to see. Let's go back to talking about the father. I wanted to be sure to get that point in because the homes today are so, so missing in regards to reflecting godliness. The importance of the father in his relationship with his daughter. The father is uniquely able to boost and bolster the self-esteem and the self-confidence of the daughter. And he will show her by his example how a man is to treat a woman. Because there will come that time when those teenage boys will begin to show interest in her. And the example of a father and the way that he, had, that he lives his life in the home, the interactions that he has with the mother, she'll remember. There's so many things that could be said. I have about another probably one hour of material, David. <laughs> I've been flying tonight. But let's close with this. A song that I think we need to sing more in the church God give us Christian homes, homes where the Bible is loved and taught, homes where the master's will is sought, homes crowned with beauty your love has wrought. God give us Christian homes. God has, as we've emphasized tonight, Certain mandates, certain instructions given for how the homes are to be. The kind of mothers, the kind of fathers that are needed in the home. And we also see set forth in the scriptures how that we are to be obedient to all that is commanded of us. Of how that as Christians... We're to be dedicated. We are to use our talents in his service. Also, making the decision to become a Christian. 
doing what the Lord has commanded. You've heard the plan of salvation. You know the different steps that are set forth. You know that the final step before you become a Christian, the moment when your sins are washed away in what is often referred to as the watery grave of baptism, that's the Lord's will. The Lord has a will that is always sure, it's always perfect, it's to always be respected. In all of our lives, let's make sure that we are following the Lord's instructions. As I said at the beginning, there are those competing voices. Let's look to the Lord's way. Let him be the one who leads us in having the proper kind of homes, homes that glorify him. If this evening you are subject to the invitation, won't you come as now we stand and as we sing?